have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You got to touch. You have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You got to be possessed with the dream. The dream. Yeah. What's up, guys, and welcome to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth, and I'm your host on this personal development, personal growth podcast. Listen, if this is your first time tuning in, I just want to welcome you. I want to thank you for being here. If this is your 150th time tuning back in, thank you for joining us yet again. It means a lot to me. And listen, if this is a podcast you derive any value from or you believe anybody else could derive any value from, please don't hesitate to share it on your IG platforms and your stories and your Facebook, your Twitter, what have you, whatever. Tag us, link the podcast. It would just help generate more awareness of the podcast. And I just thank you in advance. So listen, we have a very special guest like we always do because we only try to bring you valuable people on this podcast. And I'm not saying everybody's not valuable, but there are people that I feel that have gone through a lot of shit in their life and have a lot to dispense with and a lot that you can relate to. And so we're just happy to have this guest. His name's Dr. Grant Elliott. He's from Tampa, Florida. You might know him on Instagram as Rehab Fix. He's a awesome, awesome practitioner in the means of low back development or rather strengthening. Listen, I don't know why I'm talking for him. Please <laughs> introduce yourself, brother. Sure. Yeah. And, and also just want to say thank you for having me here, Justin. I always cherish an opportunity to talk about uh, my journey to potentially inspire someone else, to potentially help someone else. And I equally respect your craft and the work that you put forth in any area that you're involved with. I think hard workers respect hard workers and want to help hard workers. So appreciate that. Thank you. What goes around comes around. So my name is Grant Elliott. I'm uh, originally from central Indiana, little city called Carmel, Indiana, and uh, was there pretty much my entire life until I, you know, eventually moved to St. Louis for my doctorate program, but I'll kind of, I won't jump too fast here. So what inspired me initially to want to become, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a chiropractic physician, a doctor of chiropractic in rehab and sports medicine as well, or sports rehab rather. So a um, little bit of a backstory that inspired me to do that in the first place. So my parents were very good. I'm the youngest of three boys. My parents were very good at pushing us physically. When we were growing up, whenever we would get in trouble or do something we weren't supposed to, uh, we would not be you know, punished with you know, smacks on the butt so much, although we got our fair share or other remedial tasks, we would be told to do uh, physical tasks. So I remember very vividly, if, you know, if I would say like, shut up and I was like too young or something, I would have to do 50 pushups and I would not be able to do anything until I did 50 pushups or I'd have to do 50 sit-ups or I'd have to do planks for a particular amount of time. I, my, my brothers and I were, were punished or rather pushed, I should say through physical tasks. Therefore we naturally, um, developed more athletic physiques and more athletic mindsets. And it pushed us to get involved with sports. So we were all involved with sports throughout our childhood and we all enjoyed it and we loved it. And so from a very young age, I always just had an awareness about my body, pushing my body, building strength and had goals within that already, you know, like as a 
10 year old, like, Oh, I, you know, when I used to get in trouble, I could only do 20 pushups. Now I can do 30 pushups, right? Like I developed that mindset and fitness and mental strength from a young age. So I was always aware of my body, athletics, health, always into that. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do with my life at a pretty young age. I was always someone who was thinking five, 10 years ahead. And when I was like early high school, I was like, you know what? I've been someone to help for so long, even though I'm early high school, I think I want to be a doctor of some kind, but I'm not sure which one. Well, throughout my uh, freshman, sophomore, junior year, I had a few um, experiences where, or rather observations, where basically all of my grandparents were overweight, chronic disease, and were being just stuffed with pills uh, every single appointment that they went to. In being someone who was always physically active, who was raised to value physical activity, to understand the benefits of it, I was baffled that none of my grandparents were being told to move or to exercise or to eat better or to, to do anything that would improve their situation without just here's your next prescription and living on pills and having a low quality of life. So that kind of turned me off for the medical route. So like, well, I want to be a, you know, a health professional of some kind, but you know, what exactly do I want to do? So at that particular time I had been racing bikes, uh, mountain bike racing, cross country, mountain bike racing for this would have been my third season. I was quite good. I was excelling. I was starting to get some uh, offer letters from universities to ride for schools. I qualified for nationals. I was accelerating quickly in it and I enjoyed it. I very much so loved it. I started getting low back pain. This started significantly affecting my races at this point in time at the more elite status of my riding career, which was cut short part of this story. My races were on average around two hours or low two hours of high, high, high output uh, for two hours straight on a bike. And so my low back started to get to the point where it couldn't really handle it. So I went to a very typical, very traditional chiropractor. I'm using that phrasing intentionally. And took some x-rays, told me to come back multiple times a week for essentially an indefinite amount of time, which is one of the things that the listeners will learn is not the best approach and something that I do not support in my own approach. So I just kept coming back, kept coming back. No difference though. Still was bailing out of my races at, at, at the worst, I would get about 20 minutes into my race. I'd have to get off the bike, stretch, get back on. It lasts about another 15 minutes. Get off the bike, stretch, get back on. When you're in an elite level of racing, if you are not moving for five seconds, you are two minutes away from the person in front of you. So I went from winning my races to DNFing, did not finish in a very short period of time. Well, the professional in quotes that I was trusting at that time, well, just keep coming back, I guess. Right. And so at that point, you know, my, myself and my, my dad, you know, we're, we're no experts, but we were keen enough to think, well, this doesn't seem like a solution. Uh, probably not going to continue this, but unfortunately didn't really know what else to do at that point. I basically flunked the season, so to speak. I had no chance of podiuming. So I was kind of like, well, just didn't know what to do. So we kind of left it. So I needed another physical outlet. I started training really hard. I got into the gym. I got into bodybuilding. Well, about one year into bodybuilding, I was 17 at that time. I ran into a trainer at the gym 
This trainer had just moved to the area. They had graduated from chiropractic school not too long ago, and they were a personal training on the side to network, to help build their business, and to build a reputation within the community. And we just started talking and, you know, I was interested in what he did and just the things that he was saying, I'd realized were completely different from what that initial provider had told me. And I was like, like, what you like do rehab with people. You teach people how to do exercises. Like, like all I, all that happened to me was I just be laying on a table, crack, crack, crack 30 seconds later, I'm done. And that was it. So I was like, I, I got to shout at you. So I shouted him. His name's Brian Waters. Great guy. Still out in uh, Carmel area, at least Hamilton County in central Indiana. And uh, I went and shouted him and I was like, oh my gosh, if this is what I had received, I might still be racing. I might be getting my school paid for. Who knows? Now, of course, I think everything happens for a reason. For where I am today, I'm not going to say anything other than I'm happy that my life has gone through the, the, the path that it has. But there's always that what if, right? Oh my gosh, if I had received this, things might've been different. So where many people typically have a very positive experience with a particular uh, healthcare provider that inspires them to want to be that, I had the opposite. I had a awful experience with a healthcare provider, but then I was exposed to what could have been. And so it made me think about it in a way of, I don't want this to happen to somebody else. So I'm going to become this kind of provider so that I can prevent a future Grant Elliott from losing the thing that he wants to do because he's being provided not the best information. So I decided I wanted to be a chiropractor and um, I very uh, you know, quickly adopted that mindset of this is what I'm going to do. And I made my mind up. This is you know junior uh, year in high school. I was like, yep, I'm going to finish high school. I'm going to get my degree after my four-year degree. I'm, I'm going to go to school. I already knew where I was going to go to school. It's exactly what I did. Uh, went through school and through some of my early classes, people were like, yeah, what, what do you want to be? What do you want to be? What do you want to be? And I would always say, I'm going to be, not I want to be, I am going to be. And a lot of my, a lot of my professors at school would be like, oh, you know, I like that. Matter of fact. And I'd be like, well, if you say I want, then it's an option. <laughs> this is what I'm going to be. So I took it from there and I committed. And then um, once I was done getting my, uh, my bachelor's in exercise science, just the general uh, degree related to that path, I moved to St. Louis, um, St. Louis, Missouri, where I was there for uh, three and a half years, getting my doctorate's year-round school. And um, and of course, I find myself here, but I know there's a lot more to discuss beyond that journey. So that's the initial picture. Um, yeah. What, what, what intricacies would you like to detail? Well, first off, I want to I wanna explore the fact that, or touch more on the fact that what you say actually became reality. And a mm. lot of people, they don't, they don't say what they want to be. Yeah. And that's a there's important dis distinction to make there because- Many people allow themselves too many options and they mm -hmm. don't really receive focus and tunnel vision towards the actual thing that they want to do in life because they're too scared or fearful of failing because they put this specific thing on a pedestal. And if they feel like they don't, they don't, they don't make it or they don't come close, then they are a failure in all regards forever. 
And so they never really attempt that specific thing. And that could be opening a business, a nonprofit organization, that could be being a bodybuilder, a fitness competitor of any sort. You know, I had a, a young gal ask me when I was, um, when I was at a local gym, she, she wanted to compete and I have some competitive in, in my background. Um, the last competition was 2011. So uh, it's been a lot, it's been a quite some time, but, um, in that duration of me competing, I think I did like 10 shows or some nine or 10 shows wow. and it was in bodybuilding. So this is before physique competing came mm -hmm. into fruition. And, um, she had, you know, she was, a, she was really good hearted. And I think that her intentions were well, but the, the, or she had, well, you know, good intentions when she said this, she said, well, what do you think about me competing? You know, do you think that it's possible to set a goal and not compete like the goal of attaining the physique of what a competitor would be on stage, but without competing? And mm -hmm. I saw that in two parts. I saw that you're fearful of getting on stage one, because mm -hmm. why would you have a goal in mind and then and then reach that goal, but not go to the stage? Right. Yeah. If you met that specific physique goal. And then second, I said, it's not really about what happens on stage. It's the journey before you get on stage. And if you have what it takes, all the requisite constructs that were that will inevitably deter you if you're not strong enough. And, and here's the thing. Here's the big one here. Discipline. Mm -hmm. And then being structured and having boundaries and shit, because all those things matter exponentially before you get on stage. And that will predicate if you even get on stage. So mm. getting on stage is like the Tootsie roll at the end of the Tootsie pop, you know, like this is a sweet thing. You've yeah. done the work. You're now ready to show the package, but everything before that is the thing that kicks people out. You know, the, the, <laughs> that when oh, you yeah. get too lean and nobody tells you this shit, unless you no. have a, a, an experienced coach, they won't tell you when you get leaner, you have a hard time sleeping. When you're in single digit body fat, you have a hard time sleeping. You're constantly stressed out. Your body doesn't want to be that lean. It wants you to eat. It wants to get back to its normal metabolic set point rather, or body fat set point rather. And these things are paramount to your body because your body doesn't give a shit about how you look. It doesn't care if you want to be 5%. It wants you to be comfortable around 10 to 20%, really. Mm -hmm. So let's eat more and let's keep you up and let's keep cortisol high because we need to feed you because this isn't working for me physiologically. This is your body talking, clearly. Mm -hmm. So I said to her, I said, it's more important in, in, in a, a very dumbed down version, but I said, this is more about showcasing your discipline and what it what you're willing to put yourself through in the you know the beginning stages before you get to the stage and that's what will showcase a lot of your character you'll be able to extract elements maybe you didn't think you had oh my and it'll, gosh, it'll, yes. it'll 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 showcase you in a different light that you know and mm -hmm. it'll it'll allow you to see yourself in ways you probably didn't see yourself in before or prior yeah so that's the gold in regards to competing, if we're talking about competing, but that's anything in life. That's any journey you're on in life towards anything that you want to do of magnitude. Mm -hmm. So, and it's not, it's fucking not easy, man. It's not easy to be a doctor of any kind. It's not easy to compete. It's not easy. I mean, even if you have genetics on your side, it's still not easy. You still got to put in the work. And yeah. it's Groundhog Day every day. And most mm. people cannot stomach that. Most mm. people cannot stomach the fact that this is going to be the same thing 
I'm going to consume the same thing every day. I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about everything, you know, and from the way that you train to how, to what you train and how you train your work ethic, et cetera. All these things are so monotonous and repetitive, but the, re the repetition is what's going to grow you into the champion that you want to be. And so you're showcasing on a real level, man. And that's one thing I respect. That's one of many that I respect about you. The, the consistency in the, in the monotony that you bring up, what, what consistently brings people to success is, is the consistent act of training mental toughness and discipline. That, that's essentially the summary of everything you just said. And so I think, um, I know the topic of this particular episode is not going to be just bodybuilding, but you know, I have a bodybuilding background. I did my first show when I was 17 years old. When I got into uh, exercising, just training after I stopped racing because I needed an, out an outlet, you know, I have decent genetics. I responded pretty quickly. And I decided that that was going to be an outlet I wanted to push myself in. So as a 17 year old, I had my parents buying, you know, six pounds of beef and, and 10 pounds of chicken per week from Costco. Right. And I would get home from high school, go out on the grill, grill up 10 pounds of chicken for myself. And I had a, I've had a strict diet from 17 years old to now. And so my parents were kind of just like, what's up with this kid? Like, should you be out like getting in trouble? I'd be like, no, I'm going to eat my food and get my meals in. And, and so I started practicing mental toughness at a very young age, I would say. And before that, I was, you know, everyone talks about, oh yeah, lemonade stand as a kid. Well, that's something that I actually made decent money doing when I was like 10 years old, because uh, I would, I would advertise around the neighborhood and I would say, I'm going to have mystery flavors to build suspense. And I was handing out flyers, letting people know, Hey, I'm going to be out doing a lemonade stand on Saturday and I have a mystery flavor. If you can guess it, I'll give you a free cup. And okay. so as like, you know, nine years old, 10 years old, I was, you know, probably making 20 bucks a weekend doing a little lemonade stand. And shortly after that, I realized, Hey, um, I can make a little bit more money doing dog sitting. So I created my own flyers. I actually remember we had these scented stickers that I, that I really liked growing up. So I put scented stickers on them and I scratched them all so that when people would open their mailboxes, they would smell a scent and they'd be like, what is this making this? And then they would find my little flyer that I made myself with Sharpie and a scent sticker and it would attract their attention. So I started dog sitting dogs, like maybe five different dogs in the neighborhood per week. And you know, I was making money nine, 10 years old is when it kind of started. Um, to, to kind of continue the discipline rabbit hole here. And you can stop me and take this conversation wherever you go at any point. I just figured this is kind of the, the, the mantra here. Oh, so feel free, to, feel free to intervene whenever you want. Um, as it continued to develop, you know, bodybuilding taught me so much about mindset. You know, I, I became known in high school as the bodybuilder, the guy who's into fitness. Every, I was the guy that people were going to for fitness advice. So all the football players coming to me for fitness programs, eating programs. The vice principal, the vice principal, I, my senior year, I was in a, just a whatever uh, period where I could basically do whatever I wanted. Senior year, your schedule is really easy, right? And so I was like running notes for the vice principal. My vice principal asked me to write him out an exercise and diet program <laughs> my senior year high school. And so it, it really taught me how to be disciplined at a young age. Throughout high school, I was also uh, mowing yards and doing landscaping. It was a little bit of a small, uh, we'll call it a family business that my oldest brother started when he was 12 years old. And he got it to about maybe like 12 or 13 yards just in the neighborhood. 
And then my middle brother took it over through high school to make some money for college. And then I took it over to, you know, do the same thing, make money for college. And so I did it all through high school. And then once I got out of college, I realized um, I need to take a little bit further because I need to prepare for my future for chiropractic school. Cause I knew that I was going to chiropractic school and I knew it was going to be expensive and I knew I wasn't gonna have time to work at least not much. So the mental toughness I developed from keeping myself disciplined through bodybuilding and through fitness, I directed it into building a lung care business. So my second to last year mowing before I moved to St. Louis, before I moved to St. Louis, um, I realized I got to have a way to reach more yards than are just in my neighborhood at like 16 yards. So once again, created flyers, bought a trailer so I could start hauling a trailer around. I had a little uh, Toyota Highlander, not even a truck. It was a Toyota Highlander I was using to drive this trailer around. And I realized that I could throw a bunch of flyers in mailboxes and some people will read them, some people won't. But if I can talk to a person face-to-face, I can probably convince them that I'm going to save them time from doing their own yard and that I'll keep it in better shape than they will on their own. So I did door to door. I handed about 2000 flyers. I knocked on 2000 doors and I talked to people, you know, face to face as a 20 year old, 19 year old, right? Within that one season, I went from 14 yards to like 28 yards, 29 yards mowing, started doing some landscaping jobs on the side. was starting to make some decent income for a 19 year old at that time, at least. I'll now fast forward through this. You, you can cut whatever, whatever this you want to. My last year, my last year mowing, still bodybuilding, still everything. I actually grew a bodybuilding show at, at my college, Ball State. They had a yearly bodybuilding show. I competed in it. I won it uh, in 2015 and 2016. I took it over as like basically like kind of one of the spokesmen. I advertised for it. I recruited for it. And I drew, I think it was about 500 people in attendance uh, 600 people in attendance, the most attendance they had had the entire 10 years prior to that were about 50 or 60 people. So I, I, I teamed up with the guy who ran in and I blew it up and that was fun too. goes back to, to discipline here. But my last season uh, mowing, I, I realized I really, really need to push it. I need to push it hard. I was going to stick to my fitness. I was going to stick to my training, uh, but I realized I got to really, really push this thing. So in regards to the business, I then got it from like 28 yards to 46 yards. So I had 46 yards per week that I was mowing on my own. I was getting contracted for a lot more landscaping jobs and I was able to actually hire a friend from college. And so I had him working for me and we were doing jobs together. And um, within four months, um, I started to grow to a, to a significant amount of business for, I was, I was 21 at that time. And um, so much so where the last month I was doing landscaping, just myself and my buddy, I actually, I, I grossed over $20,000 the last month I was doing it at 21 years old, just doing landscaping, right? Now at that time, what people don't see is I had made a mental decision that I'm going to do whatever it takes to make as much money as possible with the resources that I have. And every day for, hmm probably two months straight, we'll say 60 days straight. I went to bed at 11 PM every night, woke up at 5 AM every day when this is my summer supposed to be having fun. I took one day off of work the entire summer, the entire summer took one day off. That was it. It was, uh, I, I would, I would get up at 5 AM. I would start quoting 
uh, people by 5.30, if they're getting up early for work, that was the time I wanted to do it. I would do jobs all throughout the day. I'd prep all my food, take all my food in the car with me. I'd get home at dark, which at that time was about eight o'clock or 8.30. I would work until there was no more light. And then I would have to do my own accounting. I would do my own accounting for about an hour and a half, eat dinner, go to bed, repeat. Uh, it got a, little, got a little bit too extreme. I actually missed the food tasting for my wedding, which was the end of that summer because I was doing a deck job and I had my phone in the car. So I missed the food tasting. My wife, uh, my wife at that time, my fiance picked up my mom instead and my mom went with her. <laughs> That's awesome. But I was focused on building a future for us. Yeah. So, so well, I, well yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I was going to just say, so I built that up and I pushed it really hard that summer. And then I sold it, uh, for another decent chunk. And what I didn't realize is with that time period, I was so happy with how much I pushed it. When we moved to St. Louis, my wife actually had a really hard time finding a job initially. And we were able to survive off of all of the income that I had made for almost an entire year. Um, neither of us were working and I was paying for school and I was able to live off of it for almost the entire year uh, before she got any income. So, you know, our parents were like you know, worried about us and because we were young and we had just started that journey, but I was like, Nope, I got us. We're good. And so every day that that was going by, I was, I'm always trying to, to make my future self proud. And so at that time, when I was not going out with friends, not having any fun working my tail off the last two summers I had, especially the last one, every day of that, the only thing I was focused on was I'm, I'm going to make myself five years from now happy. Like I'm doing something not for this moment, but I'm doing something for my future self. And I want to make sure I can look back at myself in this moment and say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I worked hard. I'm happy. I did this. And yeah, we were able to live off of my income for a full year with either of us working in in Cairo school. And so I was very happy that, uh, I had put in that effort. So what you just basically described is you took the role of a man because for <laughs> many of our listeners, they, especially the ones that are of a new generation, the new generation, I don't know what it's called now, if it's X or Y, or I don't know what generation we're in right now, but generation afraid. Yes. That's good, man. That could be the title of the podcast, Generation Afraid. But the fact of the matter is you're displaying how to be a man because, you know, from a, from an early age, you had entrepreneurial in your, like an entrepreneur mindset in your blood. You know, the fact that you had a, a certain scent around your flyer that you knew would attract people to look at your flyer, that's very psychologically based. And for somebody to not be taught that, and for, for it, I'm assuming you weren't taught that, for it to just kind of, they switch to go off, the light switch to go off in your head to do that, that sort of thing can be taught. But when you're, I feel like entrepreneurs are not taught. They're bred from a young age and it's got to be in you. You can go to as many seminars as you like. You can attend the 10X conference and all this, that, and the other. You can read all the self-help books or business books that you like. But reality is, if you don't go out there and tackle certain obstacles and challenges, you'll never find out what you're made of. And you'll never develop the competency and confidence to take on new challenges that could actually beget a more advanced character. 
So the mm. fact that you did that willingly and you didn't really know, I mean, you had a plan, but I believe that even without the plan, Grant would have done that regardless because it's what's hardwired in his DNA. To, it's how he lives his life. It's how he facilitates. So the fact that you just described how to be an entrepreneur or what it took for you to go in that entrepreneurial path and become a man all in tandem is very powerful, man. And the fact that people that are listening, when they hear your story, it's going to hopefully resonate with them to get off their behinds and do something challenging with their life. Because reality is, if you don't, you'll never amount to anything. And if you, you could be in a position of despair, you know, uh, you can be in a disparaging position in life. You could have nothing. You could have zero tools. But if you have a mindset that's, I'm going to do this no matter what happens, it's all boats out in the ocean. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to do this thing no matter where I go, no matter what happens, I'm going to chart these waters, even though they're foreign to me. And I don't know where I'm going to end up. It's better to have done that than to stay on shore and stay dry mm. and stay in your little comfort, you know, uh, arena for lack of a better word. And so that man, that's what I wanted to extract from you. Cause I knew there was a journey behind the, the manifestation of what you have today. And I didn't know it was that extensive, but that's awesome. And I will tell you this, you and I have something in common because we both did landscape. My parents have a landscape company as well. Uh -huh. And they've had it since before I was born. And mm. that's the sort of thing that helped to raise me as well. I've done every single job in landscape from not only doing the lawn, the lawn care, the weed whipping and everything, but then doing landscape insulation, irrigation, managing, etc. even delivering product. Yeah. So <laughs> I've done, I've done everything because it's the family business. And that's mm. kind of what I grew up in. And watching my dad bust his ass every day and work circles around his workers, which were predominantly Hispanic, mm. that is saying something. So when I, when I, and the reason why I say it's saying something is because the Hispanic workers work hard, hard man. Hard. I mean, I don't even know how they do it. And they're, you talk about bending over backbreaking work. That's them. They putting work in the field, doing landscape is very, 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 very difficult. And it's not like they have a bodybuilding type diet. You know, they're mm -hmm. eating tamales and <laughs> tortas and shit, you know? So it's like, it, it, but they get power from that. Yeah. They get power from that, man. And whereas you and I would feel like ugh, sluggish after we ate that big meal, they're ready to go. Coca-Cola mm -hmm. and everything. You know, yeah, yeah. let's do it. So, you know, the fact that I saw him display that work ethic, it gave me not only a fear of how am I going to do that? Because as a son, you look to your father as the emulation of everything you're supposed to be. And mm -hmm. so when I see that, I'm like, how am I going to replicate that? There's no way. And I've talked about it on multiple podcasts before. I don't know how I'm going to replicate being him much less surpassing him. There's no way. And so I guess, you know, the fact of the matter is I didn't do it in landscaping because it just wasn't where my passion was. Mm -hmm. I did it throughout my entire teen years, even up into my 
you know, twenties and such, but it's not something that really pulled me in the direction of lifelong purpose or pursuit. It led to bodybuilding, which cause the schedule I had, I could bodybuild and I could eat my meals. And my dad allowed me to do that. You know, it was very laxed, you know, mm-hmm. I worked when I had to work and I was, I was able to do what I needed to do to, to, to also chase the endeavors that I was chasing, which is bodybuilding, which became competing, then became personal training, then became personal training, became a studio and a business. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is today. And, you know, but if I hadn't had seen him display work ethic and discipline in a way that I, I feel like a lot of young men don't have the luxury of, of viewing in their life with their dads. I wouldn't have been the man I am if any man today, and I wouldn't definitely have been anything if it weren't for bodybuilding and the fact that it taught me or extracted elements and constructs out of me that I didn't think were there that, but they were just dormant. They were waiting for the perfect pursuit for them to actually come to fruition and come alive. And I wouldn't have known I had discipline, organization, structure, responsibility, diligency. I wouldn't have known any of those things if it weren't for bodybuilding. So I'm thankful for bodybuilding in that regard. But it's just funny how when you talk to certain people, you never know what you have in common. And that's those specific things that you laid out. They they help develop the man that you are, not just the, the doctor or personal trainer or coach or, or, or husband that you are, but the man that you are. And that's left on the table when you display your, your, your reels through Instagram. Like they don't really know who Grant is. And probably because you like to, maybe like you're like me, you like to keep a lot of those things um, private. You know, it's not like for the public to see or hear, you don't, it's not like a necessity for you to bring out and tell them this is what you are. It's what you come from. But the purpose of this podcast is to showcase the journey that others have gone through and what trials they face and how they overcame them and their different thought processes and mindsets. Cause all those are fucking fascinating. And if more people saw those ways they might be able to not read the book, but apply the practical knowledge coming from the voice on the other end of their microphone or rather their headset and apply it in their life in such a way that helps to be a, a, a massive demonstrative to where to how they should live their life or what the, how they should pursue their life or their goals. More often than not, people don't, they don't want to adopt the, the, the specific um, endeavor because they feel like, like I, I'm going to, I'm going to repeat myself because they don't want to fail. And they just feel like if, if they fail at this, it's like they feel at life. Yep. And the, 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 the problem with that is you're, you're confusing being in a human being with being perfect. Human mm. beings fail all the time. And when you fail, it's actually going to benefit you. I mean, I hate talking like that because I feel like that narrative is pumped massively throughout the Instagram memes and everything. It's like, you know, get out of your comfort zone, be comfortable being uncomfortable, this, that, and the other. But when you hear it from real life people that have actually gone through the tumultuous trials that you're gazing into and, and actually trying to 
prohibit yourself from venturing down. They give you more of an impetus to do so on your end. And then you see what you're made of. And then you develop confidence moving forward in life. And like you, you acquire things. You know, you just got in the, you just got in the mindset of, I need to, I want to do more lawns. And if I can do this and I can, then I can do this. And if I can, if I can, if I can, if I can, I guess, extract from the public that I'm doing this or not extract brother, but if I can showcase that this is what I'm offering the public, maybe more people want me to do their lawns. And then you just build and build and build. And then you gain momentum. And then before you know it, you're making 20 grand in, what do you say, two months? And in one month. One month? I mean- As a 20, 21 year old. Yeah, most people- lawns. Yeah, unless you're an Instagram influencer with a you know three million followers, you're not making that man. Yeah. So, and and you did it with hard work before Instagram existed, before oh any of this stuff existed, man. And you found a way. So it, there's no excuse for people that are in a position of social media and all these different avenues we have to not make or even surpass what you did in a month. But the fact of the matter is the common denominator is work ethic and discipline mm -hmm. and staying on a specific focus every single day with an aim directed that's tethered to your meaning in life, at least for that purpose in life that you're in at that moment. And you don't know what could come of it, man. You know, the fact that you were a mountain biker and let's just say world class at that or top 1%. The fact that you came from, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously spiritual, I'm religious, so I believe in God. And I will say this, that if God took you from that and he took you down a different avenue, it's because there was more tethered to your legacy in the future and what yes. you could provide long-term than just momentary, momentary gratification, momentary bliss, because who knows, maybe you would have got painfully hurt on a mountain bike. Maybe you, maybe you would have, God forbid, you know, perished on a mountain bike and he didn't have that for you. That wasn't your plan in life. He was, there was more for you, more for Grant Ellie in the future, but for you to undergo that and subscribe to that, you had to adopt specific disciplines that wouldn't have came if it weren't for your struggles. Yeah. Easier said than done, but I fell in love with working hard and I'm still in love with working hard. And something you continue to circle around is, is people who are having a, a fear of failure or they try this and then it doesn't work. They try this and it doesn't work. And that's what holds so many people back. And yeah, you said there's the cliche of, you know, get, you know, get comfortable being uncomfortable, although it's true. But one alternative perspective I wanna offer is, and this is something I've been bringing up a lot recently to a lot of my clients, is people are asking themselves, what if, and then filling in the rest of the sentence with something negative. So what if I commit to this bodybuilding show and I don't look good? What if I start a business, but it doesn't fail? What if, in my situation, what, what if I enroll in this program, but I don't get better? What if I hire a business coach and it doesn't help? If every single person that asked themselves the what if completely flipped it and replaced it with the positive outcome, which will happen if they decide it is going to happen. Because if you decide something's going to happen, you do what it takes to make it happen. Thoughts become things and actions produce results. So if you say, what if I do this show and I learn a ton from it, I look the best driver I have, I, I learn personal growth. That's exactly what's going to happen 
and you will be more motivated to do that. Well, if I start a business and it's a great success and I can provide for my family and I can live a lifestyle that I love and I can build a legacy for my family, what if I hire a business coach and everything just continues to grow and grow and grow and I can provide for my immediate, my immediate family, for my distant family, whoever, if everyone replaced the what if negative with a what if positive, their lives would be completely different. Yes. I love that. And if more people did that, who knows what kind of world we would live in, what things we would have at our disposal. You know, because the more people that come into their actual purpose in life benefit other people, you know, the fact if you did not become the chiropractor, I would, I would argue a nuanced chiropractor because you do not practice the typical traditional chiropractic methodologies, but that's, what's gathered so much attention for you as a practitioner, because you do things differently. And you really predicate things on moving different. And if you don't move different, you're not going to see changes and -hmm. you got to kind of go outside the box. And I think it's important for most people, for everybody, rather, especially if you're in a disparaging time or time of drought, that you think about moving differently in life. You just got to think about what if I was to do this and succeed at it? Because the worst that's going to happen is you'll come up neutral and idle. Yes. Nothing yes. will happen. Like that's the worst. Yeah. So if that is your worst, that's the opponent. I'm going to take my chances, man. Now I'm going to go against it because the worst that can happen is nothing happens at all. Mm-hmm. But something might happen from it or I'll extract an element to me that I didn't even know existed. And that's something that because you're in the line of practice that you're in. You're about teaching people to move different, teaching people that this isn't, you're not bound to these traditional concepts of chiropractor or low back um, therapy. You can get better doing it this way. Once you open up that box of newness or a significance to them, it just opens up a new world of opportunities for them. I mean, I'm obviously being, you know, a little overzealous with what I'm saying, but it's applicable. And people, when they go to a chiropractor, they go to the traditional chiropractor, they don't get healed. And you're right. They do tell you, they just come back and we'll just keep doing the same stuff over and over and over again. But when you employ the things that you do, it shows people that you can take a different, you can, you can adopt a different narrative. You can take a different course in life and you'll be better as a result. I mean, it's a little bit foreign, but in the same token, you get healed. And that's what you're really after. If more people understood that to be healed, they have to adopt challenges and really showcase what they're make to really showcase what they're made of. Mm-hmm. They would be healed in terms of their disparity or in terms of the disparageness that they adopt, or in terms of the the um, apathetic nature that they have at the time. They would be understanding that if I adopt this challenge, it'll actually heal me from the shit existence that I have right now. Or thinking that I'm a piece of shit and I can't do anything because you can, you just have to willingly adopt challenges. Yes. Yep. Every, every opportunity to push your, uh, your body, but most importantly, your mind is an opportunity to grow. And it might sound really, this might be a silly example, but it's true. Every time I see an opportunity to do something that is a harder route 
than I would have normally done, not meaning in regards to efficiency or time or anything like that. But for example, I started doing cold showers, strictly cold showers about four months ago. Well, initially I started doing them purely because I didn't want to take them. And there was no other reason than that. I don't like cold showers. I didn't want to do it. So I just told myself one day, this is something I don't want to do. So I'm going to do it because every single time I turned that water on and left it just barely, barely tilted up, right? Not all the way to the hot side, barely tilted up. I would sit there and I'd be like, oh, I'd have to like psych myself up and take like 30 seconds. Then I would do it and I hated it. But I always got a mental satisfaction out of doing something that I, I initially didn't want to do. And I chose the hard route because every time I did it, I got, I grew a little bit more of a callus, right? I grew a little bit more of a callus. I got stronger and stronger. Now, now there are a lot of science reasons why I continue. Now there actually are a lot of health benefits and I can talk about those if you want. But the, the point here is the mental challenge out of it is I started to get addicted to the fact that I didn't want to do my showers, but I would overcome a small mental hurdle every single time. Where now to the point, I have no hesitation, right? It is second nature. It's easier to do that task. So if you extrapolate that over months, over years, over decades, if you get really, really good at willingly choosing a harder decision because you understand the fact of overcoming mental challenges in gaining mental gains, mental toughness, and you learn to cherish mental toughness, it would become so much easier to make a bigger move in the future. And maybe that big move, you wouldn't have made it if you hadn't done those additional mental challenge exercises for the two decades before. But when that one big move comes and you make that move because you're willing to do it, that's the thing that changes the course of your entire life. But making those small mental gains over time completely changes your trajectory. It makes other things easier to do. So I always say, do something hard every single day. That's so beautifully put. I don't even want to add to that. Grant, <laughs> I want to thank you for your time, man. I, I was, I just want to thank you for dispensing with your story and what it took to get where you're at. And then, you know, what are some of your plans in the future? What do you want to do in the future in terms of your, your chiropractic business and your life in general, man, what other pursuits do you have? Yeah, I, I have big pursuits and my, my immediate pursuits are a combination of, of business, but the influence on uh, my parents actually. So I, so obviously I, I, my online business, I do online low back coaching. That's actually something that I created halfway through my chiropractic school. I wasn't even graduated yet. I was halfway through and I decided to start a brand. And a lot of people were saying, Oh, like, why are you already posting stuff? Like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, don't give this stuff away. You're giving away free information. You're, you know, what, like, why are you doing this now? It's a waste of time. And I, I was listening to podcasts that were talking about growing a business and, and growing a brand. And once again, I made a, I made a mental decision. I was like, okay, um, starting today, I'm going to post every single day for one year straight. And in one year, I'm going to evaluate where I am. And if I want to keep doing it, I will. And the second I made the decision within one year, I had a hundred thousand followers and I had a brand before I even graduated. And that's what ended up, you know, that's what I'm doing full-time now. So, um, I, I know I'm almost circling back to an entirely new topic here. I don't mean to extend this. If, if you don't plan on it going any further, once again, you can cut anything you want, but the, the way that I look at the way that I look at it is, uh, you know, me creating a dog sitting business and unique lemonade stands is 
I have directly to thank myself back then when I was nine years old for the business that I have now. And that's, that's what I say, thank yourself in the future. So yeah, I, I built this business before I even graduated so that the day I graduated, I already had, you know, I already had clients, already had customers that I was working with around the world. And it continued to expand from there. Um, 2020 rolled around. I did have a local business. Um, it was a local practice here in Tampa after I moved here and um, COVID had an effect on it. Uh, and so I decided to just go hundred percent the internet route. I wasn't really sure. I already had, I was kind of juggling both, but I decided, all right, I'm, I enjoy doing online. I think there's more potential there, more potential to influence more people. So I just dropped everything uh, locally and I put all my bags and all my eggs in an online basket. And I just pushed that really hard. And during that particular, man, I'm really extending this. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I love it. No, I I've, love it. I, I've won. I, I guess I have a couple diversions that I think you'll be able to appreciate. When, when we first moved here, I was, I was still finishing up school. I had to do what's called a, a preceptorship, which is essentially clinical rotations. Okay. So I was at a, I was at a practice that was about uh, 40 minutes away that I was driving to um, five days a week. I'd be there from eight to five helping out at the clinic. At that same time, we, I was trying to continue to build my online business. So I was also averaging like 30 hours a week on Instagram and in editing and everything else. So I was doing that included. And then when we first moved here, um, we didn't have a lot of money because we had used up all my savings and uh, my wife's job was very average, um, but we were living off of one income. And so we moved here and two months after living here, my, my wife was like, Hey, I think we have enough money to make it work to get like a small starter home so we can get into a property, start to build some equity and not have any rent. And I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's look into it. And, and we did it. And we were like right on the nose with being able to afford it. And once again, I was, you know, full time volunteering my time. I wasn't getting paid for my clinical rotations. I'm paying to work, <laughs> right? That's the beauty of school. I'm paying to work. And then with all of my additional free time, I was filming, I was editing, I was creating content and I was trying to build my business, not really making any money yet either with that, not making any, just building it, building it, building it. And we moved into our house. And then five days after we moved in, our main sewer line collapsed because it wasn't inspected. And we were hit with a, an unexpected $7,000 um, bill. And at that point in time, it knocked our total, our total income was down to $3,000. And our average credit card bill was, you know, like 1,500, 2,000 at that time, we were trying to be very frugal. As you know, for two, for two people, 1,500 in an entire month with all expenses is pretty minimal for two people. So our credit card bill hadn't came out yet. We only had 3,000 and I was like, Oh my God. So what I decided to do is I decided to start mowing lawns again here in Tampa. This is just, this is just two and a half years ago. And so I logged on to next door. I started advertising that I mow lawns. I contacted my, uh, my graphic designer that created my flyers back when I was 19 years old. I had him pull out the old uh, blueprints. I had him update them. I, per, you know, at that time I was like, maybe even a hundred bucks means a lot to me right now, but I paid whatever it was to restock on flyers and business cards, started driving all around and handing them out while I was doing Instagram full-time building business, you know, clinical rotations full-time. And I had to make us money because my wife's income just wasn't enough. And we only had 3000 in the bank. <laughs> so, uh, this was, this was summer. This is Florida summer, which is absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. And I started getting weekly lawns to mow, started doing mulching jobs again. 
Um, as I'm, you know, in my clinical rotation, supposed to be a doctor, right? I am just, I'm dirt under my nails every day. Any free time I had was spent mowing lawns or doing mulching. This is not even that long ago. And there was one, I actually looked this up during our call. There's one picture I wanted to show you. It's going to be very difficult to see uh, on your screen, but it's of my super oh, dirty man. feet. I'm in, I'm in the shower and I'm letting the water run down my body and, and the, and the water is just brown. Okay. And on that particular day, you know, I got up at, this was multiple days straight. I got up at 6am so I could edit content and get content posted before I went to my clinical rotation, went to my clinical rotation from eight to five, and then worked from like five to nine. And that was my routine seven days a week. Uh, well, Saturday and Sunday, I spent all day building content, but that was my routine basically seven days a week for multiple months straight. And the Florida summer was just killing me. And on that particular day, um, you know, I'd, I'd fix socks on, I had work boots on, but still my feet were that dirty, that dirty through everything. So and so I took a picture, I, I grabbed yeah. my phone off the counter. I took a picture of my feet and I saved it because I wanted to make myself proud in the future. Amen. So I looked at, I look at that picture and, and I always think, damn, I'm proud of you. I think, so thank you. I say, thank you that for doing that. Yeah. That's, that's monumental, man, that you did that. And it showcases the fact that you have this futuristic goal in mind and you can revert back to a segment of your life and derive more impetus to the, for the future mm -hmm. for our listeners that didn't see the picture clearly. Cause you're listening only yeah. his feet were like he stepped literally stepped in mud and then with no rinse off or anything, just like his feet were in mud and then he took them out and then took the picture. And that is what you're, you're saying is that's with socks and boots yeah. on him. Yes. Okay. That was like socks and boots on. So, so yeah. yeah, extremely dirty. Like he had been in the woods for a fucking week straight. That's what that picture yeah. looked like. Yeah. And yeah, that's how it was every day. And man, that, that was, a, that was a hard summer, man. That was a hard summer stress with money, stress with building a business. You know, once again, I'm like, I'm not making any money yet from Instagram. I'm still building, 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 developing. I don't know what, just putting in work to have something to work off of not getting paid to do my rotations, even though I'm there 40 hours a week, my wife's income was minimal, but I knew that I had to get us some sort of income to get us by. And so basically I was still thinking in my head, like, all right, do, do I still plan on opening my own business? Do I just, you know, admit defeat at the end of this clinical rotation and just try to get a, a local job just so I can try to make ends meet. But I kept thinking, nope, I've, I've been building this social media for too long. It's, it's going to turn into something like it has to, because I decided that it was going to. So from that picture that was in our first house, our first little starter house, I still own it. It's a rental property now, but what within one year after that picture, I put all my eggs in the, not too long after that was when COVID happened, actually, I put all my eggs in the, in the online basket. And within one year, I was able to uh, allow my mom to quit her job, which she did not like. I employ my mom now. I pay her more than her previous job and she can work from anywhere. Half the time she's in Florida and, and near Orlando spending time with her mom or helping my brothers with their kids she can do whatever she wants. I also was able to um, upgrade from that house to a house now that's over three times the size. And I'm currently, I, I also spoke this into fruition in 2019. I was on another podcast and I said, 
I am going to retire my parents in 2022. And this is when I had no money, no business, didn't know how I was going to make anything. I said, I am going to retire my parents in 2022 for how much they gave me growing up. Um, I, things are accelerating quickly. I plan to hand my dad a fat check by either the end of this year or next year so that he can officially stop working because he hates his job, but he extended his retirement because of how much he invested into myself and my brothers growing up and anything we wanted to do. He supported hundred percent. He took time off work to go to our games, to go to our practices, any hobby we wanted to do. He didn't care what it was. He wanted to buy us or pay for whatever we wanted to do because it was our childhood. And, um, he grew up very poor and he was the first person in his family to go to college and to be able to provide anything for us. And he wanted to give us everything we could within means. And he supported my family on his income. And I recognize that. And I want to return that tenfold if possible. So you asked me what my goals are, right? My goals are to continue growing my business as quickly as possible. I implore my mom. I want to, I'm, I'm currently in the process of hiring another employee right now. I'm working with a business mentor to grow as, as fast as possible. I want to buy my parents a house here by next year. I want to retire my dad by next year. I don't want him working anymore. And I want my parents to do whatever the heck they want to do and uh, just live their life while simultaneously, you know, building a legacy for my own family, for my wife and my, my current child and children to come. Um, those are my immediate goals. And tell you how much that resonates with me. And I'm sure resonates with other people that are listening that, you know, what you just said is so it's so prolific and it's, it speaks to the character of your, of yourself and, and really how you were raised. And, you know, your parents did a massively great job at raising you and developing from a, from a young age, who you are now, you know, it, dispensing with certain work ethics and, and, and showcasing what you're really made of that really cultivated you, the person that you are, but you could have taken an alternate route and just said, you know what, all this for me, nothing for you. And I know kids that do that. And I, for the life of me, cannot understand that mindset. Even if my parents said, no, I don't want it. I would say tough shit. This is yours. And this is, and either you're going to accept it or I'm going to go behind your back and buy these things and put this money in your account where you can't touch it or you can touch it, obviously, but you can use it, but you can't, you're not going to be able to give it back to me is what I'm trying to you say. Can't give it back. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I want to say some things that go in alignment with what you said, but I know my parents listen to this podcast and I don't want to lay things out there. We'll just say that. Yeah. <laughs> but your dreams and your visions, I can tell you, are very, very, very analogous with others like myself. And it's only a matter of time. Because when you put yourself, you, 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 you immerse yourself in, in a specific endeavor and you're almost, you're all in, you have one plan, plan A, no B, C, D, E, or F, you make it work. And the reason why you make it work is because that is the only thing you know. It's probably how you saw your dad. 
It's probably what it's just what's wired in you. And maybe it's a male thing. Maybe it's a male thing. I don't know many females. I'm not saying that they don't adopt this construct as well, but most men are willing to burn all their boats and just take one out to shore or to sea rather. And whatever happens, happens. They're risk takers, but that is by definition what an entrepreneur is, a risk taker. And you are absolutely unequivocally an entrepreneur. And look, man, I know your, your whole story, everything that you said, I know it relates and penetrates with, with everybody that is hearing it. I'm sure it does at least on some level. Cause we've touched on many different, uh, um, areas. And again, I can't thank you enough, man. Like the fact that you gave me your time when you could be doing other things, making money, it just means a lot to me that you come and you're ready and you're just, you're willing to be transparent for the sake of others listening. And even if it helps one person, that's a job well done. And that's the whole, that was the whole predication on this podcast. If I can help one person, cause I started with zero listeners, nobody listened. And I don't know now who listens. I don't check analytics. I don't want to know. I do know certain things. I do know that we're, my sound engineer tells me that we're all across the world, but I don't want to know how many listen. I don't want it to impose any type of anything, anything on the job at hand. I just want to put my head down and I want to do what I want to do. And that's interviewing fascinating people like you that have a journey and a story to tell, man. So I just thank you again, Grant. Thank you for doing this, man. Thank you for being honest, transparent, authentic, and just, and just being a badass at the end of the day. Thank you for having me, Justin. It's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be on here. Once again, like I said, um, I didn't need to have this whole conversation with you today to be able to recognize that you're a hard worker and that you pour your blood, sweat, and tears and everything that you do. And anytime I see someone who's working hard, I want to give to them. I want to give to their cause. I want to help them in any way, even if it's just my time, but you know, hard workers help hard workers and we want hard workers to succeed. So you're inspiring people. You're putting it out there. You are making someone's day better every day. And so thank you for having me and thank you for everything that you do for everyone listening. Thank you, Grant. And listen, tell people how they can find you if they're not already following you. So the best ways to follow me are on Instagram at rehab fix. I also have a website, the rehabfix.com. I do full-time one-on-one online low back coaching for low back pain, disc herniation, or sciatica. I have clients on all continents and I absolutely love what I do. That's the best way to get a hold of me. I love it. Thank you, Grant. I appreciate your time, brother. I'll talk to you absolutely, soon, man. man. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it.